It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. After getting into the All-22, Joe Burrow, and we've talked about it, played even better than we thought. Plus, thoughts on the offensive line, Jermaine Pratt's big day, T. Higgins' domination, and more as we get into All-22 takeaways with Bengals Saints. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We'll be joined by our guy, Mike Santagata, at Bengals underscore Sands, to talk about some of the All-22 takeaways in just a couple minutes. But first, really quick, got to get into some roster moves. As always, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network here on Locked On Bengals, covering your team every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcast. And on YouTube. So if you like what we're doing here, hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Hit the follow button anywhere you get your podcast. will be delivered to your devices every day so you can make us your first listen like thousands of other Bengals fans out there. Today's episode of Lockdown Bengals is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, helping you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash NFL. So, James, quickly, those roster moves that we need to get into. Isaiah Prince, who was activated from injured reserve on Monday, added to the 53-man roster, turns around and gets waived on Tuesday. Trenton Irwin, who goes back to the practice squad, reverts to the practice squad after his third call-up of the season, now signed to the 53-man roster. He's now wide receiver six after Mike Thomas, who was waived on Monday, cleared waivers on Tuesday. So in the near future, you could see a couple of guys coming back to the practice squad as Khaled Kareem was claimed or was actually signed off the Bengals practice squad by the Indianapolis Colts. They now have two spots open on that practice squad. And the only weird thing about all of this is why burn the activation from IR, the IR return on a guy they're just going to turn around and wave in Isaiah Prince. Can't figure out that one, James. Any other thoughts? Yeah, I think you're going to see Isaiah Prince back and Mike Thomas back in the coming days. Now, now that they have two practice squad spots open, Makes sense. It makes sense to bring Prince back in some form. And if, if you can get him back, that being said, I agree. It was a little surprising to see him after being activated get waived on Tuesday. But if he clears waivers, I expect him back and would not shock me one bit if Wednesday, when we roll in midday, Mike Thomas is signed to the Bengals practice squad and is practicing with the team. Yeah, none of those things would be terribly surprising. And all of that speculation yesterday that we had about what was happening with these roster moves is all solved by just waving Isaiah Prince. Nobody else was in danger. It was a procedural move, I'm assuming, for the team. But the one thing that we're going to need to wait and see probably for a couple of weeks now is Kevin Huber and Drew Christman, who remains on the practice squad while Kevin Huber remains on the 53-man roster. And now... Let's switch gears, James. Let's bring in our pal. Little Mike. Mike. Little Mike. Mike. Okay. <laughs> there was a lot of basketball trash talk L- before we started the show is where it's coming from to catch our audience. The up. Mike you don't want to be like. 
what do you have the what do you have the bet betting what, what bet online bet online yeah the bet online odds at here well, what's my, well, what am, how much of a Jake said teams? you were the Two favorite which well, Jake said you were the favorite which I think is cute and adorable but first you know, eleven whatever, it's ones right. and twos I, I just yeah. think uh, we need some highlight tape from both of you and then we can set some odds we'll get our we're get we'll get our odds makers involved and and we'll figure this thing out but. Let's get to some Bengals tape, shall we, guys? You guys will figure out your basketball rivalry at some point. This will be a bit. We'll come back to this in the future. It'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals offensive line, Mike, you and I were talking during the game. Yeah, I Mike. thought they actually played okay. You know, I, I sent you a message at some point, maybe the third quarter. Maybe it was halftime. Offensive line's holding up okay. And you're like, yeah, except for that one run play. And then when you you turn on the all twenty two and and I mentioned this yesterday in our in our episode when I said Joe Burrow managed the pocket really well. I, I guess that's a bit of a euphemism for the offensive line didn't play quite as well uh, as as you think as you thought watching live when, when you see the all twenty two outside of Jonah Williams who had a nice bounce back game after the bye hopefully feeling a little bit better in that formerly injured knee. Let's let's talk about the offensive line though, Mike. What did you see when you when you watched them every snap from the all twenty two perspective? Thought they gave up a lot of pressure, or what should be pressure. I think Joe Burrow does a really really good job when he's on. It, this wasn't something he did so much weeks one and two, and it's kind of an issue. But when he's on and he's in rhythm, he does such a good job of just these little micro movements and manipulations in the pocket to give his guys the advantage they're losing to the inside. So he just takes a slight step back to his left. And now they're winning to the inside because the move he's moved from where he was, mm-hmm. or he's also not sped up like the Browns game. And then they're not able to score because he's just hitting the check down too quick, but he's perfectly on time. He's not too slow where he's taking sacks. He's not sped up where he's limiting the offense. He was dealing and he was perfectly on time. And when you're perfectly on time, that's just right before the defense can hit you. And there was a lot of times right before the defense could hit him, he got the ball away. Uh, a couple plays, he extended the play and got out of the pocket. Didn't always make something happen. I know the one, he just threw the ball away when TJ Watt was chasing him. But it's the the main one I could think of was uh, he steps up into the pocket, almost looks to run, sees a guy, throws it on the run, just gets crushed. And I'm just like, oh, this uh. This is why I don't make de- de- declarative statements off of just one viewing of live broadcast feed because I was fooled. I mean, <laughs> Joe Burrow had all of us fooled, I think. Everybody who did a pod- post-game podcast was probably like, yeah, that offensive lineman gave him time to throw, yada, yada. And it's like, well, he threw the ball perfectly on time. It's one of those games where the, the pass block win rate versus the pressure allowed is not going to line up. There were a lot of pass blocking losses. It didn't result in pressure because of the way Joe Burrow played. And the, the key factor there for me is that he wasn't sped up. We've seen this from him at times throughout the year and his his timing, getting rid of the ball, like you said, in, in the last possible moment in a lot of cases accurately was, uh, to me, very, very encouraging and a big part of why I'm so enthusiastic about the way he played. James, sorry, I cut you off there. Uh, it's all ahead. right, little Jake. All right. Let's wait, wait, hold, hold on. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Hold on. No, it's all right. Let's keep it rolling. I'm, I'm like six inches taller than you. All right. Yeah, in 30 pounds lighter. Let's That's talk fine. about let's talk about uh Burrow in the pocket. All right. We've seen this. Last December, we saw it against the Chiefs. We saw it in the AFC title game against the Chiefs. The last time the Bengals played the Titans, January 22nd, I believe it was. I'm close on that date. It might not be exactly right. He was getting crushed, and yet he made plays late. 
where does this game rank? Not, not rank, but does that look like the same borough? Because to me, if this Bengals team is going to make the run that they're going to have to make over the next seven games, they need that borough. And what you were describing, what Jake was describing, it sounds like that borough. Yeah, I think it's going to be that borough. I, I don't think he takes nine sacks. I think he's going to – when Burrow has a game like that, takes nine sacks against the Ravens, gets crushed in that one in his rookie year – it feels like he almost has the vendetta of like, that's not happening to me again type thing. And uh, I think it's going to be a big key for him is to be perfectly on time again this week. Might not be, you know, making the escape and big play happen all the time, which is sometimes what you want from him. I think he does that against like the chiefs really well, but against the Titans, I think it's gonna be more so play perfectly on time, get the ball out before they can hit you, but don't be sped up and, if he could do that, I, I think they could really take advantage of this Titans defense. I think this offensive line is much better, too. I think he was more not sped up because he's taking all these sacks. He, he almost, I feel like he thought he might be a little bit more athletic than the guys he was facing. And then it turns out Jeffrey Simmons is those guys, you know, you can't just run around and make them miss because these guys are actually super athletes, just kind of like Aaron Donald on, mm-hmm. we don't talk about it. <laughs> but um, I personally, I think, yeah, the Titans are concerned because of what happened last year in the postseason. But I think it's just going to be such a key about being perfectly on time and giving his offensive line help, who is better and should be able to better handle the weird twists and front that the Titans are going to play. Titans are also missing potentially two key pieces. Harold Landry will not play for sure. He's not going to play this year. And we'll talk more about the Titans matchup. But Danico Autry also didn't practice on Tuesday, and the Titans did practice on Tuesday, unlike the Bengals. Uh, so that would be a big one. You talk about games where Burrow stepped up under pressure. I think about San Francisco last year, too. He took five sacks in that game. Was I think it was his most pressured game. It was. He, he was under pressure on 19 of his dropbacks in that game out of 40 dropbacks. Almost half of his dropbacks pressured him, played, obviously, at a very high level. We point to that game to the let Burrow cook all the time because that was the game where they they put the game on his shoulders eventually, and he, he got them back in a position to win. It just took a little bit too long. Coming up next, T. Higgins, also fantastic. My contender for Joe Burrow in that game ball, although I do agree that Burrow, if we were only giving one out, is a little bit more deserving because of how he played. We'll talk about T. Higgins' day and what's going on with those batted passes for Joe Burrow coming up next. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Therapy Online. Everyone deserves to feel their best. And with BetterHelp, it makes it easier to get started. As the world's largest therapy service, they've matched millions of people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. It's convenient and you get all of the benefits of in-person therapy. It's more accessible, more affordable. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. And if things aren't clicking, you can switch therapists at any time. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Get unstuck with BetterHelp. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash locked on. That's BetterHelp.com slash locked on. BetterHelp.com slash locked on. Hey, guys. It's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes – It's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line or... 
Could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Let's dive in to the batted passes issue. First, we're on the topic of Joe Burrow. We're extolling his virtues. You were talking about how well he played, but he had four passes batted at the line of scrimmage, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe it was only three if if the TJ Watt one doesn't count as a batted pass. It felt like 27, and I know yeah. that's not true, but like I think they kind of felt like a lot. Almost like back to back to back to back, like on the same yeah. drives. Well, and they they had he had the tipped pass that was picked, and then he had the pass intercepted in a freak yeah. play again by TJ Watt. Those freak. dang Watt brothers making those insane interceptions like that, and you know you tip your hat for that that kind of thing. But is this a Joe Burrow issue? Is this a scheme issue in terms of like drop back depth, or is this an offensive line issue in terms of the depth of the pocket? You know, in the interior, what where? Is, is it different things on all of them? What, what did you see from that perspective? Because a lot of Bengals fans, and I mean a lot, are, are talking about it. And I do think with 15 batted passes this year now, Joe Burrow may lead the NFL in batted passes. He does. I think, like a lot of things, this has a lot of nuance to it. But mm-hmm. to me, the number one thing is how much they love quick game. And mm-hmm. I think the Steelers, they play the Bengals so much. Think of all the teams that are batting these passes. It's the Steelers. It's the Browns. Um, I don't know if the Ravens did a lot, but I, I could think of the bad interception from Miles Garrett. I could think of all these bad passes against the Steelers, including week one, they batted a bunch of his passes. Yeah, they did. And it's it's they know what this Bengals team likes to do. They study them. This is one of their main opponents. They play them twice a year, and I'm sure they spend a lot of their offseason talking about how they're going to stop them. So how do you stop the quick game? You don't rush as a defensive line. You get your hands up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they're doing. I used to say that it, it the offensive line could do more because they could punish these jumpers. They kind of were. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that was the frustrating. When TJ Watt made that catch, it was like a contested interception because Law Collins <laughs> is hitting him in the stomach as he catches. Yeah, it's it. like as he's going to the ground. It's an and one. Yeah. yeah. It was insane. He, he was he contorted his body and everything. I mean, it was it was a it was pass interference on Collins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because you're right yeah. though about the division opponents saying two against Pittsburgh in Week One, three against Baltimore, I believe, oh, okay. in Week Five, two against Cleveland in in Week Eight, three more against the Steelers, plus the interception at the line of scrimmage and the TJ Watt interception at the line of scrimmage in Week One. So that is most of his batted passes at the line of scrimmage, tied with Justin Herbert of all people, according to PFF, in bad passes games, right? at the line of scrimmage. A lot of quick games. Oh, that's, that's all the Chargers have been running. I've Yeah. Which <laughs> is interesting another... because Herbert's average time to throw is like a half second slower than Burroughs, which is the second fastest in the NFL this year to uh, Tom Brady, I think. Yeah, it's uh, it's why I was watching the Sunday night game and they said Herbert was second. I think he had just had a, ba- a pass batted, though, so that might have tied them up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by the way, Micah Parsons, I think, had a couple as well. But uh, – 
you know, hopefully they can they can get that right. Like the TJ Watt stuff, it's not a huge concern, right? Like you just you tip your cap and you keep it moving. But uh, yeah, hopefully keep- there aren't as aren't as many passes batted. Go ahead. I don't think he'll ever make that play again. So just keep punishing him when he jumps. Did you uh, think yeah. he would ever make that play again after week one? This one was more insane to me. It was, one, it was, but like they're similar, right? Uh, yeah. At least week one, Collins isn't engaging him. He's yeah. just kind of sitting back. This one, Collins is on him and he's pushing him to the ground in the middle of yeah. the play. It's just Literally, like from where I was sitting, I was like, he intercepted that. He intercepted yeah. like it, it took like three times. I don't know live broadcast wise how it felt. No, that's how it felt it was, live broadcast. Did it, it, I was like, what? And then he's doing the really cool celebration, by the way. But uh, all right, let, let's get to uh, one of the, the highlights of, of Sunday. And it was T Higgins having his, his coming out party, the tea time coming out party where, you know, Jamar goes down and it's like, all right, T Higgins is going to have to step up. The Cleveland game was weird. He scored at the end of it. Carolina, they didn't need to rely on him because Joe Mixon was going off. T Higgins, Jake's described it as the quietest nine for 148 that he's seen dominant wide receiver performance, but it was dominant. Sands, I know it stood out to you because you were tweeting about it and you put together all nine of his catches. Oh yeah. I mean, he did everything on that in this game. I, I feel vindicated because I guess the Browns, I was like, T was open and, you know, like he would have had a good game if the Browns, you know, didn't hold him and give, not give yeah. up those touchdowns. It's like if he, he was been, open. Yeah. Yeah. He was open on those. He was open underneath, but Burrow was a little sped up and that offensive line performance was even worse. And then the, the Panthers game, I was like, he's cooking them. It's just, they don't need him. Like he, he every time they wanted him, because he wanted like six catches for 60 yards seven, or something. Seven for 60. Yep. Seven for 60. And it was just like, they didn't need him, but they had him whenever they wanted him. Then this game, finally, they needed him. So he was the engine of the offense to me. Uh, I know Jake thinks it was a quiet one. To me, it wasn't, but I think it was around everybody else. In my mind, I was like, oh, T is going off in this game. But I think most people didn't put that together. But uh, yeah, he did. That's why it's quiet, right? If you're paying attention, you notice it. And if you're just kind of vibing with the game, maybe you don't as much. The three catches in a row and then the four on the the, – I think it was the first 90 – it was the 92 yard drive at the end of the, in the second quarter, four catches on that drive, three back to back to back. That's when you're like, when you're wide receiver one, when it's like, Hey, T's open. We're going to keep feeding him and feeding him and feeding him. And this is Pittsburgh on the road. Like that's, that's not normal. That's really tough to do. And he did it. It was everything. Like there, there was just, there was slants and stuff. There was curl routes. There was hitch routes. Did a little bit after the catch uh, honestly, we didn't see the what I think is the patented T route, that dig route, maybe because Pittsburgh's ready for it when they run dagger and stuff. They always have them on that dig. Didn't really see that. And I thought the best one, after all those times the Browns held him, he finally got that go mm-hmm. ball. I know he got one against the Browns, but it was garbage time. Nobody was watching. He finally got that go ball to put the game away, basically, where oh, it was beautiful. The It's like four steps to the outside, swim over to the inside, and the corner, was, I think it was Wallace, he, he reaches out and tries to grab, but T's already gone. So now he's running after to catch up and just honestly, not the perfect ball from Burrow, even though it was really good. Because if it was just slightly more mm-hmm. inside, he probably scores because yeah, he got did, let a little bit out of bounds. But oof, what a route. Did, did they double him often? No, they actually didn't really respect him very much. And I think I didn't think really so either. I was just the, yeah. his first catch, 
the Bengals went into a, a nub trips look, which is nub means the tight ends on the one side trips is three wide receivers on the other. So they got Boyd Higgins and I believe Irwin on the left side and the Steelers didn't even have a, a corner follow him. They matched him up with Terrell Edmonds. And it was just like, I think Burrow was like, you serious? <laughs> oh, it was quads. Actually. It wasn't even trips. It was quads. They had four guys to one side. They kept P Ryan and, Hurst close, they both chipped because Burrow, I think, was like, are you serious? And they ran a deep over route with him and easy, just the easiest catch he made the whole game. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of, the deep crosser. Uh, he, he, You're right that he won in every way. I just want to point out also that he was generating separation. There are people out there, depending on who you listen to, you might have heard somebody say that he doesn't get separation, but it doesn't matter. I'm not going to name names, but he does get Is separation. that out there? That's out it was, there. It was said on a prominent podcast today, as we're recording, so Tuesday. Oh wow, um, that's wrong. Yeah, no. I mean, <laughs> you, you turn on the tape; he's getting separation in yeah. this game. Like I had a bird's eye view of it. I had a he's bird's watched the go man. ball. The go ball had right. separation. It's not, it's well, not like he made the, a the go ball. The, the comebacks. I mean, he's he's getting separation against man in this game. He's finding open spots against zone. He has a great feel for that. The dig route, you're right. That was conspicuously missing, but that was the Joe Mixon route this week, which was <laughs> oh my uh, goodness, what a play an call. Incredible play. Incredible play to, to put Joe Mixon on the dig. I thought that was we're not gonna have time to get into it in, in great detail here, but that was one of my favorite play calls of the game. As it happened live, I tweeted that's one to go back and watch on all 22. That was a really cool play. Uh T. Higgins doing what he's done before, but without Jamar Chase on the field, pretty impressive stuff for him and a pretty impressive game for Jermaine Pratt. And that might be an understatement. If there was a game ball per side of the ball on the defensive side, it's definitely going to Jermaine Pratt. We'll get into his game and some other notes on the defense to finish up the show coming up next. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. And that's why when you're looking for the T Higgins of your company and you're looking for the next Jermaine Pratt of your company, you need LinkedIn jobs, LinkedIn jobs, helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. So you use their simple tools like screening questions that help you narrow down the pool of of uh, candidates so you can find the right person for the job. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. According to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed. Jermaine Pratt played a really good game of football. Playoff P. Pittsburgh P. Pitt P, I think, was uh, <laughs> the self-moniker for Puts Jermaine Pratt Pittsburgh. this week. And uh, I didn't hear your question, Mike, but he's been really good this year <laughs> in general. Uh, n- not every game, obviously, but, but he's had a lot of pretty dang good games. The Bengals at linebacker this year are pretty good, but this week – was probably his best performance, Mike, would you say? I mean, the, the run game stuff, 
obvious when you're watching live, some of the hits he put on Najee Harris coming unblocked, getting some of those tackles for loss are pretty, pretty special. Out of his uh, seven tackles, according to PFF, six of them qualified as defensive stops, which means it wasn't a successful play for the offense, meaning they didn't gain a first down or didn't gain, you know, X percentage of yards to make to, to stay ahead of the chains. Pretty good game. What did you see on tape, Mike? Oh, my goodness. So this guy was just aggressive. What, what's called a fast fit. A fast fit is uh, when the, the, the other team's running zone. Um there's a hole that sometimes will open up because let's say the backside tackle wants to give help to the tight end who can't block that well. And then the backside guard, he's going over to, to go take the nose that opens a hole. And a lot of teams in the Bengals were like this most of the time, but not this week. Uh, they, they don't shoot it because you shoot that gap. You lose a guy at the second level. Jermaine Pratt was shooting that and succeeding just about every time he did. Even on the the touchdown where Cam Sample gets driven six yards and Mike Hilton jumps inside for some reason and base gets hurtled, he still shot the gap and got there. (laughs) If if the edge held up at all, I think he's making – at least hitting them somewhere around the line of scrimmage, if not the backfield. He was a maniac about doing this because the Steelers were running a lot of this zone stuff. So he's fast fitting through the backside a ton and they put him on run blitz. So he's a really effective run blitzer. And then even more than that, not more than that, but just to add to that, they put him on the edge like they do sometimes. And he stops a jet sweep that you leave that guy unblocked on the edge on those Mm -hmm. jet sweeps because you don't think he's going to make the play. And he made the play. And I, I know he said after the game, this is, I think, bigger in Steelers fans than it is for Bengals fans. He said, basically, yeah, we knew what they were running. <laughs> like they run five plays or something like that. Or they run only so many plays. We knew what they were running. Mm-hmm. It looked like he did. <laughs> like I, I don't know what it was exactly, but yeah, he's, he was still study, baby. Maybe that's, that's it though. Like I remember the first time Jesse Bates, played Ryan Tannehill and I'm telling the story one, it relates to you too. It relates to this week with the Titans. Uh, it was what week seven of 2020 and he had the interception in the red zone and the, the Bengals. Uh, it was a big win going into the bye, And he was like, Oh, Ryan Tannehill has some tells. And it just looked like Bates knew and knew how to read Ryan Tannehill. So maybe it's a big Bates week. And I had forgotten about that, but yeah, maybe that's it. Cause you play faster if you know, and you're really confident in what you're yeah. seeing. And so maybe that's what what we saw. It might be that simple. First play of the game. First play of the game in the postseason against the Titans. What was the play? Bates interception. Yep. So So it it could be that simple though. Seriously, Mike. For for Jermaine against the Steelers. I think I think the the defense in general also either knew some tells or they knew that these uh they they would shift the linebackers really late into the play. And I don't think the Steelers offensive line in general was accounting for that at all, because there was one or two plays that they just shift the linebackers and Oh my goodness, what a gap for him to run through. I think I might've been able to, I wouldn't have made the tackle, but I think I could have ran through there and got run over. (laughs) What about the rest of the defense? Jermaine Pratt, really good game. I thought Logan Wilson had a pretty nice game. I thought Trey Hendrickson was incredible in the second half in particular. Sam Hubbard played a a standard for this year, really good game. Sam Hubbard's been really good this year, but the Bengals still managed to give up 30 points, and I know seven of them are in garbage time to the Pittsburgh Steelers, some of those on short fields. What went wrong in the first half from what you could tell? 
uh, everything uh, for the most part. Uh, what, what, there's Let's be the, more specific. Shall okay, we? so <laughs> <laughs> nothing went right. Uh, so I mean, Pratt made a few plays in the first half. You know, you get uh, some run stops from the guys you you think would make plays, but they weren't consistent enough to be able to make those splash plays to stop the run game. The run game was working out okay, especially when Hendrickson left. Like that play that yeah. I think everybody's seen that Najee jumps over Bates and scores a touchdown is just oh, – oh, oh, so many guys did the wrong thing. that oh, It yeah. was just like a team Didn't effort. Cam Taylor Britt fall on that play? I'm pretty sure he fell. He did. Yeah. He might have gotten he, blocked, but he was on his, he was on his face. Uh, Cam Sample – did not he got blocked by a tight end? I think backup tight end. Yeah, didn't didn't. Yeah, so you, you know you want a little bit more probably from your your content. And Mike Hilton there. goes inside for some yeah. reason. Yeah. <laughs> it was if it was somebody else, I'd question something. But it's like Mike Hilton. Like Mike Hilton just made a mistake. I'm okay with this. I think mm-hmm. Mike Hilton actually played okay in general. Um, not he wasn't a, one of the bad performances on the week. I think there was a little bit of. Lou wanted to blitz early. I don't know if this was something he saw in Kenny Pickett about he doesn't, you know, he doesn't respond well to pressure or the Steelers offensive line can't handle these blitzes. And the blitzes were getting home just too late. And so it didn't matter. Pickett was able to find usually Pickens (laughs) having an advantage and took and was able to get get the ball out. When they stopped blitzing, he wasn't doing as hot. And um were those blitzes or were they creepers? It looked like a lot of sim pressure to me where they're dropping guys out, but were they like, how are you, how are you using the word blitz here? Using it to define it's, it's more it's, than four or I, I use it to define more than four, but I do think it's just, they were sending non-traditional rushers a lot, which could include creepers as well. Uh, the one thing is that the pass breakup from Trey Hendrickson, that was a zero blitz. They just ran appeal on it. appeal means that if the back is going to release to that side, you have to run with him. So Henderson mm-hmm. takes a few steps. Like he's coming yeah. on this blitz. Najee releases on a wheel route. He's so underrated at doing this. Cause he's done it multiple times mm-hmm. every year stops, turns, runs with the running back. And then this time he actually got targeted and broke it up. It was just like fantastic. Really I, I don't think you yeah. could ask more uh, when they ran that back in uh, Lou's first I think his first year here, uh, they had Dunlap on appeal, and he did not do the same thing. <laughs> was, uh, uh, I think Dunlap was like, "You want me to run with him?" <laughs> uh, he it's, tried to hit him. Well, it's the proof of what they've done in free agency has fit what they've need. And, and there's plenty of reasons to prove it, but like that specific play, right? Carl yeah. Lawson and, and Carlos Dunlap are not doing that. Yeah, Trey yeah, Hendricks and the guy they got is doing that. So. Yeah, it's a really tough play. So, like, I'm not even blaming those other guys, especially because no, I'm done. I'm just saying, but yes, yeah, what you're saying yeah. is absolutely true. And also, I think they they buy in a, a little bit more. But anyway, I think they were sending real blitzes. I <laughs> just think a little. <laughs> I, I, they sent some run blitzes. They sent these blitzes after the passing game. Felt like almost every third long early on was a, a blitz or at least a creeper. And then they just it was. Mike White, I wanted more of this. I wanted more disguises because when they just dropped back, he was tearing that apart because he's seen that since high school. Kenny Pickett, I don't know what it is. He was doing great against these exotic looks, and then they just start playing normal coverage, Tampa 2, two-man, cover 3, whatever, and he wasn't getting the ball to the open guys as much. Maybe it's like he doesn't trust or have the anticipation to know with my arm strength I need to be able to hit this window right now type stuff, but it just seemed like when they – actually spent the resources into coverage rather than into the pass rush, they succeeded a lot more. I think there was also just, I don't know if you want to call it miscommunications, mental errors, breakdowns, whatever. 
Uh, there's the play when they ran a bunch. It looks like to me, Jesse Bates was right to run with that over route because Eli mm-hmm. Apple is off and to the outside. I don't know a single coverage where you want that guy running through his two corners to run with the yeah. over route. I think, uh, I don't know what he saw there, but he's supposed to be taking that and he was the one to turn around and run after it, which is a little bit of a, I tell sometimes. And then um, the other one, I thought it was on Bates, but it's, it seems like the Bengals think it was on Cam Taylor Britt where they ran that dig and go double move. And Ken Taylor Britt doesn't run with it. Bates tries to jump the dig, but I think they're running some type of coverage where Bates is jumping that dig, but you're still responsible if he then makes a double move and goes deep because it sounds everywhere else. It sounds like that. They they might think that's Cam Taylor Britt and Jesse Bates gives him the old arm around talk to right after the play. I, and I don't think Bates is some malicious guy that he's doing that to cover himself. I think he's just doing a teaching moment. Like when he wasn't even on the team and he wanted to watch film with Dax Hill, I think he's, I think he's really bought in and he really likes the team and he wants to, these guys to succeed. He didn't even play that well, but I just wanted to, I, I wanted to defend him a tiny bit. Cause I think whenever he has a bad game, uh, Bengals Twitter makes it think that they'd be better off starting um, me back there. Yeah. yeah. Which isn't true. You do not want to no. start little Mike. No chance. <laughs> oh, uh, that's so mean, James. It's true. Uh, Wait to your the point, live stream. I'm going to save it. I'm going to put to, it in a to, Google drive. To your point, Mike, uh, when the Bengals blitzed, according to PFF, and I think PFF defines blitzing as sending a non-traditional rusher. <laughs> I think that's their definition. I could be wrong about that. Kenny Pickett was 8 of 9 for 114 yards. That's almost 90% completion percentage that's, on those passes. That's for better than I thought. Yards, 12.7 yards per attempt and his lone, or no, yeah, no, his lone touchdown of the day. When the Bengals did not blitz Kenny Pickett, he completed 51% of his passes. 17 to 33 for just 4.6 yards per attempt. Maybe he's just a guy that needs to see it open to throw it. And yeah. when they're just dropping back and, and playing zone or, or playing whatever they were playing on those non-blitz snaps, he, he didn't see it open. Maybe when they blitzed, he was able to identify the blitz and, and see the guys open more readily. And those but, no, uh, those non-blitzes, I think those numbers were honestly a little bit inflated because they started playing that real soft Tampa 2 and letting yeah, him just kind of check the ball true. underneath. So he might have been under around like 30% in the real time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The, the Steelers were under 300 yards before the game was totally over, and it was a two-score game late in the fourth quarter. Uh, I had one other point, and it is now escaping me. So anything else from you guys? Are we out of here? I think we're out of here. Uh, I do, and I'm not actually going to take a shot at Little Mike. Hopefully the offensive line can figure this out, though, and be a little bit better in Nashville because this game is going to be harder. I think we all agree yep. this game is in the Titans are a much better team than the Steelers, and it's going to be a crazy environment. And, by the way, they're going to want revenge. So it's a big game. They're all so. denying it, by the way. Jeffrey Simmons, Mike Rave, oh, all these guys I would, like, no, I would want revenge. revenge. Spain's not there. I think that's the guy they really didn't like. Yeah, <laughs> like, maybe. But I, I think they want revenge. Yeah, these are talking. These are some of the most competitive humans on the planet. Like, yeah, I've wanted revenge against people that I didn't even need revenge against. Like Mike and for I, basketball I, I still stuff. Revenge. That, I don't need revenge even, against Mike. Uh-huh. He's going to want to get revenge after I lost his five tail. and a half point favorite in the point game. It don't matter. Up. I see. I don't pay attention to that stuff. We'll, James we'll might be the, the most competitive person I've ever met. It's going to suck work in a field that is professionally competitive. I know journalism is competitive, like by nature, but it's not like competing as part of your job description. Like it is not shoving Ben baby into a trash can on his way to go get an interview. (laughs) 
Proverbially, maybe. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> trying to get me in trouble, man. My God, Ben, you're trying to get oh, me in trouble. Right. Well, let's I'm, get I'm out of here. Mute my we mic. Get... I'm going to mute my mic. Hey, don't turn my mic off, Jake. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> you should have just. Well, you said you're going to mute yourself. You kind of betrayed yourself there, James. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We've got crossover Thursday coming up, and then it's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is this week. Did you guys know that? Probably. Anyway, until next time, Bengals fans, thanks for listening to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Who day and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.